Hey everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex Podcast. Juad here as always. How are we doing this week? How are we doing after the Russian Grand Prix on the weekend? That Grand Prix, <laughs> probably the best Russian Grand Prix that we've had since the uh, race came into the sport back in 2014. Um, unfortunately, the unbeaten record for Mercedes still stands as well. I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of neutrals out there were hoping that that would be broken at last. But um, yeah, sadly, that wasn't the case. But it was a great race, you know, even even for those who still are in recovery and heartbroken after Lando Norris uh, losing out there at the end in the wet conditions, such as myself as well, of course. It was it was difficult to, to swallow that one after the race, but it is what it is, and we saw Lewis Hamilton take his 100th Grand Prix win, which, you know, after Silverstone, who would have thought was coming... Um, anytime soon, given the form that uh, Max Verstappen has had in this season. So, yeah, we'll talk about Russia, we'll talk about supercars today as well, um, a lot of supercars news to, to cover and everything, so uh, with the calendar uh, yeah, <laughs> calendar being revealed for the rest of the season for, for 2021, so we'll go over that. And yeah, just in general, hope everyone's doing well. Um, I got to go on to the F1 Chronicles uh, Grid Talk podcast again after the Russian Grand Prix. Got to, to review that with the the fellows on there, so that was good fun. I've put the link in the description for this show as well to go check that out. And if you haven't already subscribed to Grid Talk, uh, go for it. Excellent, excellent um, podcast and F1 Chronicle as well. Such a great website. So... In the end, it was the correct strategic call for for Hamilton and Mercedes, or mainly Mercedes, who pulled their driver in in the wet to see him claim his 100th Grand Prix win, the first driver in the sports history to um, uh, reach that century. He's a centurion now. (laughs) Um, And that in itself is going to cop a lot of criticism, and a lot of critics will come out of the woodwork um, about that. You know, oh, you know, he's had it easy, the car, blah, 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 you know. I mean, wins like Russia and then even Turkey last year, for example, you know, Singapore a few years ago where he put in that absolutely amazing pole position lap, um, you know, they're kind of the hallmarks of Hamilton being a great driver, you know, like Bottas is in the same car, for example, yet we're not seeing him pull out those performances. And having said that, Mercedes you know, apart from probably since the rules changed in 2017, have not had the best car. Like, I know that that'll probably get taken out of context. Like, are you are you high, you know, saying that? <laughs> um, 2019, they definitely had a car that blew the... Sorry, 2020 and 2019, they definitely blew the competition out of the water. I still think, you know, in 17 and 18, you know, Ferrari had... Um, the measure of Mercedes, but, you know, their own problems and whatnot, and then, you know, development in the second half of the season kind of um, let them down, and then this year, Red Bull have had their measure, you know, as as having the best car, yet, you know, Hamilton still can get the results when he needs to, and keeping this championship as close as it is, ugh, as close as it is at the moment, so, you know, to, to reach 100 wins is no mean feat, you know, but 
of course, because it's never been done before, you know, there's always going to be people who, who criticise, you know, I know Jamie Wincup copped that in the Supercars Championship when he became the, um, when he reached 100 wins, you know, he's not the only one there, of course, Craig Lowndes has got uh, that milestone as well, I don't think we've seen that in MotoGP, just in the Premier class itself, to, to reach 100 wins, I could be wrong, but like combined wins, you know, of course, you got uh Valentino Rossi up there and whatnot so yeah you know I for one you know applaud Hamilton for this I reckon it's a record that possibly will get broken in the future as well given that you know we are in the era of having 20 plus races per season you know and if if a team goes on a run like Mercedes have you know let's say Red Bull start you know, an era of dominance where you see Verstappen winning uh, 10 plus Grand Prix a season, you know, 10, 15 races a season, he could easily get that uh, by the end of uh, this decade that we're in now. So it's a scary thought, but that's just the way it works. You know, um, it's it's also the law of inflation as well that you have in modern sports where some of these records get broken easily, but then there's other records that... Uh, that stand still um, for, for many years. And that's, you know, for all those romantics and tragics out there who, who love history will hope that uh, they never get touched. But yeah, we've got our first Centurion F1. So there we go. Congratulations. Let's talk about the race. Um, the rain hit in the dying stages of the race. It saw Lando, unfortunately, lose out to Mercedes and Hamilton. Um, Lando otherwise had an excellent weekend he was able to take his first pole position in q3 oh sorry in qualifying um just as q3 started to dry up um all the drivers tried to get out there onto the slick tires um and just it was the timing of lando's lap you know he had carlos Sainz to contend with george russell again up there he qualified third um, all all three of those guys ahead of Hamilton, you know, um, and Hamilton had his own dramas in qualifying. He he clipped a wall, I think, in the pit lane, and then also spun on one of his flying laps at the end. Bottas as well uh, couldn't qualify higher than seventh, so there was grid penalties to be taken um, strategically. Uh, the strategic decision from Mercedes, which, you know, had everyone pre-race scratching their heads, just like, is this just so that uh, you want to use Bottas as a um, as a roadblock for, for Max, who Max obviously taking the fourth power unit there for, for Red Bull to try and get that, uh, to try and see out the rest of the season with the power units they have, and they thought that this race would be the best one to take it. So we knew he'd be starting from the back of the grid, uh, coming into the weekend, and basically, yeah, was was this a ploy from Mercedes to try and thwart Max? And yeah, conspiracy theorists and stuff will say yes, of course. It it makes no sense though, given the fact that Bottas took a power unit penalty in the previous race at Monza, you know, and he he put in an excellent drive to come back and finish on the podium. So why take another power unit this soon, you know? It, it, it makes no sense anyway, and given that Bottas was quite strong uh, throughout the practice sessions, and, you know, he loves the, the Russian Grand Prix, he's won here twice before, um, you know, did it upset uh, what could have been a possibly good weekend? Uh, we, we don't know because of how uh, crazy the race was in that instance, but Bottas, yeah, he joined the likes of Nicholas Latifi, uh, Charles Leclerc as well with a new power unit, 
um, in the back of his Ferrari, and then of course Max to start from the rear of the grid. So, you know, great qualifying kept us all on our toes. Then coming into the race, we had Science nailing the start, um, or the second phase of the start, I should say, to lead into turn two. You're always worried in Russia that, you know, the guys qualifying on the second row are going to get the better start and um, uh, get the toe, go into turn two and lead. But um, it was actually Carlos off the front row who ended up doing that and was in the lead. Hamilton, unfortunately, from the second row, ended up behind the likes of uh, Daniel Ricciardo, Fernando Alonso, uh, Lance Stroll as well, who who was up as high as fourth at the start. So he did quite well. Um, he was the first one to pit as well, triggering the undercut on lap 13. Likes of Russell followed as well. Um, but that proved to be probably a really terrible strategy, not probably, it was a terrible strategy, which I'll go over later on. Um, Meanwhile, lap 15, we had Lando get back past Carlos to take the lead, Um, and the drivers who did pit early on, I should say, uh, the likes of Stroll, Russell, seemingly dropped out of contention for the points, Um, while you had the likes of uh, Perez, Alonso, Leclerc, all on the hard tyres coming through, Max as well, trying to make uh, inroads in the first stint, which he did. Uh, Ricardo kept Hamilton behind until his first pit stop on lap 23, and it was a slow stop for the McLaren team. It was it was dreadful, and he seemingly dropped out of contention as well. Whereas Hamilton, you know, with Ricardo out of the way, was uh, given the opportunity to you know set about chasing down Norris, which Toto Wolf came on the radio after that pit stop on lap 27 said, you know, we can still win this race. So you know you don't hear Toto on the radio very often. So when he does come on, it is you know some words of encouragement. He said he said something similar to Bottas. He's like, you know, we got some good points to take, Valtteri. Come on. Um, which at that point in the race with Bottas, it, it did look quite bleak, <laughs> we've got to say. Um, Max, you know, in his second stint, kind of plateaued when he switched over to the medium tyres, but early on he was making serious moves, and, you know, all that thing about, you know, Bottas being a roadblock for, for Max kind of just, yeah, it, it didn't happen, you know, because Valtteri put up little to no defence when Max came by and just, yeah, Max is on his way, so at that point, I'm like, yeah, Bottas is not going to score points today, it's it's looking pretty bleak for him, uh, Lando then came in for his pits, sorry, came in for his tyres in the pits, uh, after the trio of hard tyre runners got out of the way, um, Hamilton was closing at this time, and I still think, you know, standing by, I stand by the fact that, you know, if the race remained dry, uh, Lando would have been able to hold off Lewis because, you know, that McLaren we saw in the first did did well when Ricardo was ahead of Hamilton. Hamilton couldn't get past. And we've seen at other races this year as well that the uh, McLaren can hold its own against the Mercedes. So such a long way that they've come with that car, which is good. And it was interesting hearing the comments from the team as well after the races that they feel like, you know, they have reached a limit with you know development as well because of how outdated their wind tunnel and facilities are so you know as soon as they get updated which we know are, are is in the works um is no telling how good this mclaren team could be so it's 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 really good and you know for two races running um having mclaren qualify on the front row having mclaren 
hunt for the race win, you know. I mean, if people wanted to say that Monza was a fluke, which obviously it wasn't, given that they won the race on pace, then, you know, how they led, you know, 95% of the race in Russia, you know, from pole position as well, you know, that that's no fluke. So they definitely know what they're doing at the moment. And yeah, it's it's just so <laughs> refreshing to see. It's it's so good. So then eventually we had the rain come and, you know, both the drivers in conversation with their uh, teams, both Lando and Lewis, were resisting a switch to the intermediates before Mercedes forced Hamilton to come in. He came in on lap 49 to change while Lando commits. Um, McLaren obviously had all the information of the rain, but, you know, I guess the driver had committed to the strategy um, or to, to staying out, you know, should the team have been more forceful in bringing him in like Mercedes were. You know, you could say all these things in hindsight, but at the end of the day, you know, it was a 50-50 call, it was a hero zero call, which unfortunately went against Lando. I'm not going to criticize or, um, you know, try and crucify him for the decision that he made. It's not even anything to do with, you know, because one guy's more experienced than him. Uh, one guy's more experienced, the other is not, you know, because, you know, Hamilton cause it could have easily stayed out as well. But, um, yeah, it, it, what happened happened. Um, and unfortunately... Lando, more win, like another opportunity for a win will come, I'm sure, very soon. So it's just the one that got away. And, you know, we, we lament, you know, those moments like, I guess, Leclerc back in Bahrain 2019, you know, being crueled by reliability. Alex Salmon in the position to win as well uh, last year at Austria, the first race of the season before Hamilton took him out. And um, Russell, you know, people really uh, bowled it out over Russell, you know, bowled their eyes out over Russell at, at the Sakia Grand Prix as well. So, you know, these things happen and I'm sure, you know, Lando will come back stronger and be able to win from there like we've seen Leclerc do. The others haven't quite got there yet. And I don't think uh, Albon, unfortunately, will be in a position to win you know, Williams next year, unless they seem to nail the regulations. But George definitely should get his first win next year for Mercedes. So what had happened is that Lando went off. He got past. He ended up dropping to P7. Uh, and on his way into the pits, change over to the, interme the intermediate tyres, um, managed to cross the, the pit lane entry, the white line, and then come back in, you know, it was like, oh, am I coming in or not, blah, 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 um, which, you know, attracted the eye of the stewards, of course, you're not allowed to cross that line on the entry or exit, and he was a bit lucky to get only a reprimand after that when he was called to the stewards, I think. If they had given him a penalty and he lost those points, it would have been a bigger insult. But um, I think, you know, on the grounds that, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it wasn't his choice or, you know, it was out of his control or something that, you know, the, the stewards took it that way and were a bit more lenient. So seventh at the end for Lando, he got the points for fastest lap as well, or the, the single point, I've got to say. But, you know, again, that's two races in a row he probably felt like, he could have won the race and and couldn't, you know, in this instance it was, you know, the weather and, you know, the decisions going um, the wrong way for him, um, whereas last time it was his teammate who beat him. You had the other key runners such as Max, Carlos, Ricardo, Bottas, they all came in beforehand to pit for the intermediate and, you know, 
save their races essentially, you know, to finish in the top five. So Bottas, for one, you know, we were like, his his day's done. You know, he's not going to score points here. He ends up finishing in the top five. Uh, Ricardo as well in fourth, and Max, who you know, let's be honest, that was probably a championship-defining drive, you know, and also championship-defining a moment for the team where they made the right call and to finish on the podium, finish second behind uh, race winner Hamilton, he it would have felt like a win, which is what they said, and minimise the, the damage that could have been done on the day. So the fact that, you know, it was only a two-point swing at the end of the day... Um, what's going to happen when Hamilton take his, takes his grid penalty, which, let's be fair, is inevitable. Which race are they going to take it at, whether it will be as soon as the next race in Turkey, or will they opt to go somewhere else? You know, it's hard, because a lot of the circuits that are coming up might be more in the favour of Red Bull. Um, and passing, you know, Turkey might be a good one because Hamilton goes well there. Uh, we don't really have a gauge as far as Mercedes form on there because of the the wet race last year. They did really well. Mexico, if if we even make it to Mexico, I hope I hope we do because it's such a great race. Uh, that's more of a Red Bull track. Brazil has suited Red Bull as well. Uh, Cota as well. <laughs> you never know. So it's it's going to be an important decision that Mercedes are going to have to make and um, probably more work is going to have to come down to Lewis. But of course he can do that. So And Carlos, you know, finishing on the podium again this season, third podium for him. He's doing such a great job, you know, and ahead of uh, Leclerc in the points as well. He's He's been a bit more consistent, but... That's, you know, just Ferrari this year have been doing a good job other um, altogether. So you can't really criticise Leclerc for the kind of, uh, for not being ahead of his teammate this year. You know, they're just doing a great job scoring the points. Both cars, they're confident. Uh, they have their problems, of course, as well, you know, still with, with the front tyres and all that. But, you know, otherwise they're doing a good job. Leclerc, Leclerc unfortunately, had a, a Lando-like moment, you know, and going up going off uh, at the end of the race, you know, not switching over to the intermediate tyres, and he ended up worse off because um, down in P15, which, you know, doesn't reflect um, how good he was earlier in the race, finishing ahead of Antonio Giovinazzi and Yuki Tsunoda. Um, Fernando Alonso, excellent again in the race. He started sixth and finished sixth. Kimi Raikkonen as well, best result for him this season in P8, and that's after missing a couple of races as well, having had to stay home uh, due to testing positive for COVID, so great uh, for him, Perez unfortunately, two bad pit stops en route to P9, um, couple of points, but you know, you expect the Red Bull to do a bit better, and then George, you know, we thought after following Stroll into the pits on their strategy, um, points wouldn't be possible, but he was able to do it again to score a point in P10, now speaking of Stroll, you know, there were some late race shenanigans um, from the Canadian, tapping his teammate Sebastian Vettel into the wall, and then, you know, getting into a war with Pierre Gasly, which sent um, Gasly into a spin, and there was a post-race penalty for Stroll and some penalty points as well for that. I guess it was just unnecessary, given the fact that, um, you know, they weren't going to score points anyway. Gasly, you know, having a, a having a shocking weekend anyway, and that would not have helped him at all. Uh, Stroll's antics and, and Seb again, you know, not in the points. 
Uh, it's it's kind of difficult for Aston Martin, as I've said. Sorry, as I've said, the last couple of races that you know you expect them to be doing better, but they're not. Um, you know, starting a new factory as well. It's it's a very much a long term plan for them, but at the same time, um, you expect a bit better, <laughs> a bit you expect better from their driver. So other than that. That, that was pretty much it. We had news that the Haas drivers have been uh, held on to for next year, of course. That, that wasn't going to change. Um, Mazepin and Mick Schumacher. Mick Schumacher, unfortunately, retiring from the race with a hydraulics leak. Um, Mazepin finishing 18th at his home race. Uh, yeah, that, that was pretty much it for, for those guys. Don't know um, what to expect next year. Hopefully... He stays away from Mick and there's no contact and, you know, more more chaos because, you know, who's going to pay the bills? Probably his dad, but anyway, that's that's not the point. <laughs> Other than that, looking at the championship then, so as I said, two points between Hamilton and Verstappen at the front. The Constructors' Championship has kind of opened up a little bit now um, between the top two teams. It's like a 33-point 30, um, uh, lead for Mercedes over Red Bull, so you're going to have to hope that the race that you know Hamilton does take his grid penalty for power unit change, that he doesn't end up scoring um, points, or like both drivers end up having a having an off day, so that uh, Perez and Verstappen can uh, overhaul that deficit. You know, it, it kind of you know would be a bit of a stinker if they didn't win the constructors' championship this year, especially given. That you know, Perez was brought in for that um, sole purpose, you know, to, to be that rear gunner for Max and to to score the points that you know the likes of Albon and Gasly were missing out on over the last few years. So if they miss out on that, then you know you, you kind of have to point the finger at um, a few people, not just Perez, because you know it's it's to do with that Red Bull car as well. But yeah, I, I really love Perez and I want to see him um, get the results there for for Red Bull. McLaren, nice little lead over that they've got over Ferrari as well, and then behind them, um, Alpine have kind of um, stretched their legs a little bit ahead of Alpha Tauri, hundred and three points to eighty four, while Aston Martin kind of um, are behind and wouldn't expect them to get ahead of Alpha Tauri for the rest of the season. Anyway, so that's that. Uh, next race, obviously in Turkey. Good to look to for good to look forward to in a couple of weeks, and it's it's a bit of pain, you know, from from here on in. I think for the rest of the season, if you are watching <laughs> F1 on this side of the world, um, a lot of late starts you know or like early morning starts you know you look at brazil which is 4 a.m uh didn't have to deal with that one last year uh texas as well 6 a.m in the morning mexico i think is the same um so you know it's it's as if the lockdown hasn't already messed with my sleeping pattern um if we do end up uh you know, getting out of it by the start of November, then, you know, uh, Monday morning Grand Prix will definitely um, put me back into that uh, situation. So, yeah, that's that's the um, F1 lot for you. Let's move it on to supercars. 
And we've got confirmation that we'll be returning to racing from the 29th of October. Um, so October 29 to 31, we will have the Sydney Super Night um, come back. So the first time we've been racing in the Supercars Championship since July when we had the second event there at Townsville. So we're going to have four consecutive weekends at Sydney Motorsport Park prior to the December 5 Bathurst 1000 finale. Um so many opportunities here, so much um, to go through before we get to that stage, of course, because um, the rules to entering SMP is that uh, everyone's got to be double dose vaccinated and everything. So that will include, you know, as well as drivers, the team crews, the staff, anyone who's who's related who needs to be there for the event to happen. Um some some kind of crowd will be there as well, so they'd have to also be vaccinated, of course, as well, fully to, to enter. Um, four consecutive weekends at the same track. How is it going to be entertaining? Uh, well, you know, we're expecting different formats and also possibly even track variations to be utilised because there are three different types of um, uh, layouts that they can use there at um, Eastern Creek. But we know for the first weekend, of course, that it will be like it will be the Super Night format. There will be three sprint races, the one two five k races that have been popular over the last year. So we'll, the Saturday race, there's one race. Sunday there'll be two races. The Saturday one will be the night race, um, and then we'll have the two race on two races on Sunday, which you'll have the qualifying for them as well on the day. So. It'll be exciting to see, you know, whether it's going to be same story with, with Shane Van Gisbergen kind of just gunning it to his second title. Who really cares, to be honest? It'd be nice just to see them back racing again. And, you know, it's been it's been a long time. There's a lot been going on, obviously, um, you know, in relation to Gen 3, when, when that's going to roll out next year, and also the, the ownership and the sale of, of supercars as well by Archer Capital. So... You know, it'd be nice to just put all that stuff aside and get back on the track to, to see some racing. So as far as formats are concerned, um, some ideas that I had, you know, I'm sure everyone's got, got ideas of what they can do. Um, I would love it if they had, you know, for the final weekend in particular, they did like a pre Bathurst, you know, enduro race, like, you know, we've seen with the Sandown 500 and, you know, Phillip Island in, you know, the last two decades or whatever, if logistically possible and, and feasible, of course, getting all the co-drivers there as well into the bubble. Um, and it'd be nice practice for them because, you know, obviously they've talked about wanting to use these weekends as test sessions and, and have some co-driver practice sessions as well. Why not just have a um, endurance race if, if it's logistically and, and financially possible? You know, I know teams will not want to have damage and whatnot to contend with as a result of it. But, you know, then again, you can get damage in, you know, doing a, a sprint race as well. So, um it would be entertaining, of course. Uh, I really have, you know, for example, missed the Enduro Cup over the last couple of years. You know, we had it in 2019, of course. Um, but yeah, not having an Enduro Cup last year, just having the sole Bathurst 1000 endurance event, even if we just had the one race, you know, um, before Bathurst this year, I think it would be great seeing all the co-drivers on the grid there. Possibly use the the shortest 
um, lay out the Druid circuit to do like a Sakia Grand Prix style um, event as well. You know, the Sakia Grand Prix, a lot of people were like, how's this going to work? You know, it's such a tiny circuit. It's it's going to be chaos. It's not going to be really good, but it was exciting. It was, it was great. Um, it was something different. So maybe we could see that for supercars as well, do like a Sakia Grand Prix style thing. Um, whether they do, you know, pit stop races or not pit stop races, you know, just, just something. And I'm sure they will come up with something that will be great, but there's just, there's just some ideas from me that I'd like to see. Uh, and yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, (laughs) um, we've had confirmation that super two and super three as well. The, the combined junior category will feature at the, uh, Sydney Super Sprint there on November the 19th to 21. So that will be their penultimate round for the season before the Bathurst 1000 finale. And, um, you know, Bathurst, we already know, will be that big festival of racing, you know, where they'll combine with the ARG Australian Racing Group. They'll have, you know, Super um, 2, Super 3. They'll have the uh, S5000. They'll have... TCR, which is great, love TCR, and, um, you know, the the AWS GT World Challenge Australia as well, so a lot to look forward to, um, especially seeing as we've been deprived of racing. It seems like an age ago, it seems like it didn't even happen this year that I actually went to uh, Sandown for the Sandown Super Sprint. I was looking at some of the photos before, um, because the weather here today kind of reminds me of um, how it was in March for, for Sandown, but um feels like a bit of a blur given that, you know, it, it happened so long ago and it's it just feels like we've, we've stepped back in time, you know, to a point where we were last year as far as being locked down and all that, but hopefully uh, that will change over the coming weeks and months and we will hopefully have some motorsport to look forward to to, to attend as well, you know, next year, that'll be really good. Um, and because of all these restrictions and international travel and whatnot as well, um, it means that we won't get to see Scott McLaughlin, unfortunately, return to Australia to do the Bathurst 1000, um, as was going to be the plan, if, if possible, to, to return to his team at Dick Johnson Racing. Um, but congratulations to Scotty on winning rookie of the year in, uh, IndyCar, you know, they finished up their championship over the weekend at Long Beach, um, Scotty earning it ahead of the Andretti Autosport bound Roman Grosjean, who had a pretty awesome year as well to revive his career, you know, at least people now who don't know much about Roman Grosjean or who have only watched him um, in the last couple of seasons in F1 with with Haas and the the tribulations that they've had there. Um, At least you know him now that he is a pretty handy racing driver as it did back in the days where he was racing for Lotus. So great effort from uh, Grosjean and obviously it's earned him the spot there at an at Andretti, replacing Ryan Hunter Ray in that DHL yellow um, Honda. So Scotty earning it for Penske, and hopefully next year, you know, we get to see Scotty win some races as well as has been predicted. You know, he's doing well, and just overall the the next crop of talent, you know, coming through in IndyCar, it's been great. Um, we saw Alex Pelot obviously being crowned the champion there for Chip Ganassi Racing. Um, you know, Pato Award 
has been excellent this year and um you know as if mclaren's day on that sunday <laughs> uh, after the russian grand prix couldn't get any worse you had pato award who was in championship contention and could have possibly won because he he was starting higher up the grid than and then below um, and it was a 35-point deficit. He gets punted on the first lap by Ed Jones. You know, why? Why would you want to make a move like that on the first lap on, you know, one of the most treacherous, like, you know, street circuits um, on the calendar there at Long Beach? So that was a bit disappointing to see. And, you know, Pato's, um hopes being dashed. Hopefully he'll be back stronger next year. But, you know, he's been great. Polo. Renus VK won a race this year as well, whether he's going to go on and do good things. Um, Colton Herter as well over the last couple of races has been excellent. You know, how many wins has he notched up and whether he can take that consistency with him into next year as well. Because Andretti have had a bit of a lean time, you've got to say, over the last couple of years. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, a big fan of Alexander Rossi. He was, you know, in the hunt there a few years ago and all of a sudden, like, he can't even win a race anymore. So, to see what they're going to do there. But a bit of driver movement going on in IndyCar as well. Um, bit bit surprised to see Simon Pagano move away from Penske over to My Shank Racing. You know, that team's becoming a bit of a, uh, you know, uh, Penske Veterans Club there with Elio Castro and Evers already there and as I said Renus VK who won a race this year is off to Ed Carpenter Racing for next year too so you know IndyCar is one of those things where a few years ago um, probably like six or seven years ago I didn't really um, look at it very much as highly as I do now it's quite entertaining um, the depth and roster of drivers as well you know as, as you learn um is quite good as well you know guys like scott dixon of course will power um they're all up there and you know so good joseph newgarden as well and you know roman grosjean certainly has done a good job this year to put indycar on the map for you know the european crowd you know the f1 crowd as well as the likes of Callum Eilot and you know christian lungard as well the f2 alumni going over there and Eilot definitely i think has a gig for next year in IndyCar which you know it's disappointing because he's lost F1 for next year and whatnot but at the same time he could certainly um, make a name for himself over stateside so yeah that's that's pretty much it you know um, same old same old I think you know been enjoying a bit of F1 2021 the the game which is good and since they added the Portimao track in there as well um got myself MotoGP 21 as well because it was on sale and you know I realizing again how terrible I am at at motorcycle video games I just have no control whatsoever so at the moment I think I'm just going to stick to the Moto3 bike um because I know at least I can keep that on track <laughs> if 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 not then I'll have to demote myself to the Red Bull Rookies Cup as well so it's going to be hard I think to to get up this weekend for MotoGP because it is in Austin and the and the timings are just 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 out of this world so i do that for f1 because you know the live blogs and and everything and you know i'm a bit more committed to f1 than i am with MotoGP. but i'll definitely catch a replay um come monday afternoon so yeah that pretty much wraps it up um as i said again check out f1 grid talk podcast as well uh have i have great fun on there so um i'll leave all the links in the description 
other than that, I think that's about it. You know, I'm probably, I've, you know, probably noticed a trend. I'm not doing, you know, as much race previews as I used to as well. I'll probably stick to that and come back to talk about the Turkish Grand Prix once it's done. If it's like a double header or a triple header or whatever, where there's a race review involved as well, I'll do that as well as then talk about the next weekend. But you know, I'm you know, unless there's like some massive news in the line in the next week, I should say, I'll probably leave it to um, coming back in a couple of weeks and talking about the Turkish Grand Prix. So, other than that, you know where to find me um, on Twitter at hit the Apex Media. Thanks for tuning in and. Uh, Take it easy, stay safe, and see you next time.